speak to you about the big picture. Let's read that to begin with in Romans 11. We'll, there, it's, it's quite lengthy, but there is so, so much good for... It, it, it's actually wrapping up these three chapters of Romans uh, 9, 10, and 11, and is speaking to the Jewish nation, but boy, there is some practical application um, that we can draw from this. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. Thank God for the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And, and it's going to be full sight, uh, we believe, very soon. Um, and so all Israel will be saved as it is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant to them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, and through the mercy shown, you they also may obtain mercy. I want you to catch that. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all, and then he starts his hallelujah chorus. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. As I said, Michael talked about this a little bit last week, um, how that Paul breaks out into a hallelujah chorus here at the end of these three chapters um, concerning really just the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and how he's going to keep his promises to the, de or to the nation Israel. And, and yet he says here, Oh, the depth of his riches in verse 33 uh, in, in part of this praise. And then in verse 34 and verse 35, he makes a statement, Who has known the mind of God? And he's speaking there about Life is not for us to question, and he's going to come good on his promises. And we can't see and understand sometimes the big picture. And the, he asks, who is God's counselor? All the events that take place and all the things that happen in our life, who's God's counselor in these events that he allows to take place? We know the answer is no one advises God. And 
And I've known some Christians, though, that, that think they can give God good advice piously. Uh, and, and yet we also understand that God doesn't need our advice. And so when you look at it from that perspective, the disciples, you know, they even tried to give God advice. And, and if God listened to our advice, sometimes the world would be a mess. Uh, their advice when it came to feeding the 5,000 was what? Send them away. Uh, you know, if, if God listened to our advice in some of the, the situations of our life, we'd be sending people away and there would be no blessing of feeding the 5,000. And, and so we have to look at the idea when it comes to the events in our life that God's going to be faithful and true and he sees the big picture and that the callings and promises of God uh, uh, and, and are without repentance. And I want to go back and look at that verse um, because verse 36, we, we just read, what a valediction. Um, uh, uh, for of him and through him and to him are all things. Now, now that covers everything. When you look at it, and then it says, To him, to whom, to him, be glory forever. Amen. Man, we sing that song, From Glory to Glory. And, and you can't help but, but think, to, For to him, to whom, be glory. Him, forever and ever. Amen. Uh, as you look, though, back at verse 29, knowing that in the context of that verse, Paul is simply talking about and, and is saying about the, the gift and the grace of God that the callings of the elect are without repentance. God's not going to change his mind. He's not going to repent of those, those decisions and of what he has set up. And, 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 and I understand what the context is. And his, his heart is without change of his plans and purposes. And when Christ returns, if, if you look at what he says, the Jews that are living will see and receive Christ. All Israel will be saved, according to what the scripture says there in Romans. They're going to receive Christ at that time as the, the Messiah, which they passed over. They missed it the first time through. And so... Israel's failure and, and even our failures, likewise, in, in seeing Christ, in, in, in trusting Christ of the Gentile world, do not alter the plans or purposes of God, according to what Paul is writing here. And, but there is also a personal application in that verse 29, um, and when he says, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable or unchangeable. Let me ask you a question. Has there ever been a time in your life that it seemed that God had just vanished? Nowhere to be found. Um, he, he had abandoned you during your greatest time of need. Or trouble. You have all this fear and doubt that wells up inside. And in some cases, 
that turns to anger and resentment. I can remember as a child being raised by a single parent. My mom and dad separated. I never remember my dad living in the the same house. In fact, I never remember spending a night in my dad's house. My dad was an alcoholic, and I can count on one hand the number of times I've seen him stone sober, and every instance was at the loss of a loved one. He got up in the morning and spiked his coffee to take the edge off and get rid of the shakes, and that started a day of alcoholism. And, and, and I can remember the anger and the resentment that I had of not having a dad around. Yeah, I had a couple stepdads. One of them, uh, uh, the last I remember seeing him was running down the steps in front of our house, leaving because he had a gun out and was going to try to kill me and my brother and my mother. And, and he eventually committed suicide. And, and I can just go on and on and on about the anger and the resentment and some of the loss, you know, divorce. Divorce leads to anger and resentment. Uh, the loss of a loved one can lead to anger and doubt and resentment. We, the loss of a job. We as Christians, you know, lose, lose our job. We have illness. We have financial uh, hardship. And uh, I can remember just a year ago at this very time of year, uh, 10 days into covid I thought I, was, I thought I had the sissy girly vision, version. I was just going to walk through this and be no problem. And about 10 days in, I got up one morning, my oxygen was 83. And I, I, Linda took me to the hospital and just kicked me out. You know, uh, really, they, they wouldn't let her in. And I remember walking through what looked like an apocalypse in that hospital. They had zipper plastic across the doorways. And they zipped up and put you in a lock chamber. You went in, and then they zipped that back down, and you went through another lock chamber to get in. They didn't want, you know, what was on the other side where they were sending me out. The rooms actually had asbestos abatement fans. They had taken the glass out, and these little steel boxes were sucking the air and blowing them to the outside. That was in King's Daughters, by the way. There was four floors of that. And if it hadn't been for Jess Hicks, I, my thoughts was I'd have came out of there in a body bag. And we can't help but ask why and doubt and, and faithless and fear and anger sometimes and resentment. Why me, Lord? And we must go back to these verses and... And remember what God said during times like those. Uh, We all have times when we feel God is nowhere to be found. We cry out and and we know what the scripture says. And and yet, you know, we can quote it to ourselves. All things work together for good. Yeah, but why am I going through this? Why this anger? Why the resentment? Because we're human. Oh, but my grace is sufficient. I'm going. That doesn't do you much good when you're being zipped in through behind a body bag on the other side. You lose your child. You 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 lose your spouse. You you lose your job. 
And, and Oh, but the Comforter has come. Yeah, but where is He? I can't find God. We still have doubt and fear and anger and resentment. And we wonder where God is. The best of us have those feelings. I, I, I want to read you a couple verses in Job. Chapter 23, verses 8 and 10. And I want to, Job had, it, many of us know the story, and Job had lost everything. And, and I want you to listen to what he said. He said, look, I go forward, but he, speaking about God, is not there. Hmm. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. When Marty prayed that prayer two weeks ago, and what Michael alluded to, the big picture, I had to Think about the situations that our people and we as a church were going through at the time. And, and we wonder sometimes, has God changed his mind? Are these gifts and callings really without repentance? Are the promises of God true and faithful? Job had lost everything when he wrote these words. He had lost his family. These are not story, Bible stories. These are real life events that are written. Not a picture book. Something Dr. Spock dreamed up. Job had lost his family. He had lost his children. They had passed away. He lost all of his wealth. He had lost his health. And in this two verses, he had lost God. Couldn't find him. He is not there, was his words. Abandoned. Rock bottom. About as low as you could get. And he said, I go forward. In other words, I haven't quit. I haven't given up. I haven't turned back, but I can't see God. I'm just going through the motions. You ever been there? <laughs> but I can't see God. I go backwards. I look into my past. We all do this one. I go backwards. You say, well, that is, is that really what? It's my preaching. I'll make it that way if I want to. I go backwards. I look into my past. And... and and we all ask that question. Maybe something I've done has caused this. I'm reaping what I sowed. And if you don't believe that, your neighbor will tell you that. In their pious, hypocritical attitude of self-righteousness. Well, it's what you did. It's your sin. His three friends did it to him. Something you've done caused this. You have to ask yourself, how in the world did I get in this shape with where I'm at? Then he says, I turn to the left. 
prayer, faith, church, and God, none of this is working out because I don't see God. He's nowhere to be found. (laughs) So I'll just go to the woods and do something else. I'll fish, I'll hunt, I'll swim, I'll hike, I'll do my kids' sports on Sunday, I'll take nature walks. I'll go off the deep end, try something new. (laughs) Then he said, I turn back to the right. (laughs) Can't ever go wrong doing right, folks. My grandpa used to say, son, do you remember what your last name is? Who your grandpa is? It's never wrong to do right. And you do right if the stars fall. You do right. Job said, even on the right, I cannot see God. I read my Bible. I attend church. I give. Yet I cannot see God. God has forsaken me. Remember, you cannot see the big picture. You cannot see the big picture. The conclusion of it all that Paul was talking about for the nation of Israel, the callings of God are without repentance. In other words, the plans and the purposes of God are still working through. And Israel someday will turn to the Lord. And you will someday understand and see the big picture. Christ in His own self said, God has forsaken me. Verse 36, when you look through those verses... For He is the all of everything, and to Him be the glory forever. It's the conclusion of it all that we don't get the opportunity to see that Paul was talking about in verses 29, 33, 34, 35. But I don't know if, if all this is real, we'll say. Is it true? Can I really trust? Y'all look at me like I'm stupid. (laughs) Hey, I'm senior pastor of this place and I get here. I'll I'll promise you. And and if you're not so pious and not too proud and be honest, you get there too. Can I really trust all that I believe? Is this really true? In the midst of this fire storm... And all the national, political, health, pandemic, confusion. Where is God in all of this? We can go on and on and on. You don't go through divorce and see your spouse leave for the last time and the kid's stuff packed and gone 
and your dreams fall apart and forced from ministry or occupation without asking yourself these questions. You don't see families whose house has been foreclosed on that are good Christian people and not ask, where's God? Not have anger and resentment. You don't watch families whose houses are burned to the ground. We hear this morning that two of our good friends in life lost their home last night. Burned to the ground. You don't go through that and and watch and endure one of your own children go through addiction four or five times Narcan. You don't lose a loved one, a parent, a grandchild, a grandparent. Have a heart attack, maybe. Or go into that 10 by 10 room and have a doctor say, I've got some bad news. Knowing that the C word's coming next. You got cancer. You can sit there piously and tell me that you don't have anger or that you don't have resentment or that you don't question and wonder. I don't believe you. We all wonder. We all question. We doubt. We have fear. We have anger. We build up resentment. We can't help but think, where is God during those times? We, like Jesus, say, why, God, have you forsaken me? And yet the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. They're unchangeable. And Job 28.10, if you go back and look at what we read earlier, he said, He knows the way I take. You may not see God, but He sees you. You may wonder where He is, but He's still right there. He knows my path. He knows my name. He knows the number of hairs on my head. An example after example after example of distress, distraught, and even destroyed we see in the Scripture of men of God and women of God. I can't help but think of the story of Lazarus when I was talking and thinking this message through. His family, three of his closest allies, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, best friends, he stayed in their house. And yet he's off and Lazarus is sick and dying. 
and he didn't show up and he dies. They had to feel God forsaken. They had to be distressed. Did Jesus not care? Why didn't he show up? They had to think that he's nowhere to be found. Look at the hurt he's caused by not coming on time. The doubt, the anger, the resentment. I want to read you a verse that maybe you've never seen before in that passage about Lazarus. But man, it just snaps out at you. In John eleven fifteen, Jesus said to them plainly, it, that, that comment is even in there. Jesus said to them plainly. He's not there yet. He's still off. Lazarus is dead. And here's the kicker. Here's the one that busts you in the teeth. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. You ever read that before? Lazarus is dead. The family's heartbroken. They think he's forsaken them. He didn't show up on time. And I am glad <laughs> for your sake that I was not there. Why did he say that? Do I need to read that to you again? For that to sink in? I'm glad. I wasn't there when your brother died. I'm glad for your sake that I was not there. And there's three lessons in this story about Lazarus that you better take home and realize or you're going to find yourself in dire straits someday. God is still working when your story is at its sickening conclusion. God is still working when your story is at its most sickening conclusion. They thought it was over. Lazarus was dead, had been buried, and nothing good could happen. God didn't do what they expected to happen. You got some expectations that God not fulfilling? They didn't do what, he, what they thought he should have. When you think it's over, God's still working. When you think this whole world is nuts and Israel's going to fall, God is still working. That's what this scripture's about. Purposes and plans of God are unchangeable and without repentance. And it's the same in your life when you think it's all done and God has forsaken you. He's still working. The second thing, and this one's even harder, the stomach. God's delays are deliberate. God's delays are deliberate. I am glad for your sakes I was not there. 
John 11, 5 and 6 prove this. It states that he loved them. They had sent for him. Their brother was sick. They needed a healing and they knew he could do it. And yet he stayed two more days on purpose, deliberate. He let them go through the pain, the sorrow, the heartbreak, and the anguish. His delay was deliberate. Why was he late? Because they thought that the only good that could come was a healing. Oh, I, I need a healing. We've got to have Lazarus made well. And yet he knew and saw beyond the healing. He could see the big picture. He saw beyond the healing. He knew there was a resurrection taking place in Lazarus' life, that he was going to raise him from the dead. And the reason being is, if he had healed Lazarus, we wouldn't still be preaching today Lazarus' resurrection. Knowing the all-powerful of God, he, he, the, the, what was transpiring in their family, it would outlive their family, but a healing would not have. God's delays are deliberate. He's putting together that big picture. The third thing we must realize is Jesus wept. This one's what's so comforting. He knew that his delay was deliberate. And he knew that it was causing them hurt and pain and sorrow and anguish, and that the effects that it was having on them was going to cause heartache, sorrow, suffering, grieving, mourning. How could God allow that to happen? That's what I always ask. We've dealt with this week. Loss of a family. That the only way out was through his own hand. Suicide. How did that happen? Why wouldn't they make a phone call? Well, Michael or I could talk them off a ledge. How's that happen? We don't see. We can't understand, but why still question? That's me. Why, God? Why those little kids going after that? And in the midst of Jesus weeps. He cares. Even though we're suffering. He loves us. 
He weeps because He hurts when we hurt. But He sees the big picture. The last chapter He's already written. Like a puzzle. I never could get into puzzles. Hundreds of pieces. I always wanted to say, yeah, that one works. It may fit, but it didn't work. He sees the big picture. He knows what the finished product is. We don't ever see the finished product. All we do is know that all God does is good. You must tell yourself these three things. God is good. God is faithful. And God loves you no matter what. That's the only way that you'll deal with the anger, the doubt, the resentment. Even though you can't see the big picture, you've got to trust that God is still working. And all hope is lost. Why? Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The plans and purposes of God, the promises of God are going to take place because he sees the big picture. You better let that soak in. You're never going to have the joy of the Lord in your life. You'll live with anger resentment and that's not victory or victorious and peace of mind let's stand